as a qualification for this, uh, the sort of questions I plan to ask during these interviews, I want to say that uh, I will focus on two things, some character questions and decision making questions. Uh, and so some of my questioning will touch on uh, particular aspects of a candidate's uh decision-making and and character traits that we might take into consideration when voting for them for city office. Uh, joining me today is candidate Chris Flowers. Uh, Chris, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me to be here. Yeah, of course. And, and so uh, first, as our, as our, so our first sort of question getting into our conversation for today, begin by telling us who Chris Flowers is. I'm just a delivery driver living in Lawrence, basically, is how I'd, I'd sum myself up. Um, one of my passions is local politics, though, and I've been I've been showing up to um, Lawrence City Commission for a few years now. And I just kind of voice my opinion, because here's the thing. I think there's there's people that aren't involved. And I think they're getting overlooked by our local government. I think the, our current local government, they're they're mainly representing the people that vote. And I don't think the majority of the town actually votes in local elections. So I am there voicing the opinion of the people who often are involved. That's kind of who I am, I guess. Yeah. And to sort of underline your point, I think typically the numbers are around uh 25 to 30 percent of of, peop, of uh, voter turnout. And I think that is just for for city elections. Uh, it it's might be slightly higher for national elections, as one might understand. But um, yeah, just to underline your point there, it's it's uh, yeah, 20. That's a pretty low turnout uh, generally for local elections. In addition to what you just mentioned, what compelled you to make this year, the year that you run for office? I think one of the driving forces was the Bike Boulevard. Um, I've been very vocal against the Bike Boulevard. Like not, I'm not against the idea of them. It's more like the one we've done is not very good. First of all, the project kept, kept coming in over budget and the engineers in the original plan, they had a diverter at 21st in Alabama. And at the Bike Boulevard open house, I asked one of the engineers, why is that there? And they said, because a few people on Alabama were concerned about traffic cutting through. So the, it just, it irritates me that for a project that's already had problems staying inside the budget, that city engineers would add something extra that they don't even know they actually need be just because based on a few people complaining about something. And I mean, it just angers me because if you like the bike boulevard has been completed now, and if you drive by 21st in Alabama, you're not going to see much traffic at all. So in my, in my mind, the diverter at 21st in Alabama, it's, it's clearly not needed at all. Like if you drive by, you can see it's not needed. So why would city staff recommend something like that? Like, why would you recommend building something that you don't even know you need? Why wouldn't you just build a bike boulevard and then add the project if the stats show that traffic count was high enough. Anyway, that was one of the issues. And also, like, when it comes to how it was made, like, why why didn't we 
have the bicycles using the the sidewalk that goes along Iowa to get to 21st instead of turning Osdale into part of the bike boulevard. I mean, we put up speed bumps to, and tr and now we're trying to get people not to use Osdale, which I believe is a main road. I mean, it's one of the roads designated to, to have a 30 mile per hour speed limit. And when I've looked online, it's, says that bike boulevards usually aren't meant to be on major roads. So if one, if you had the option of using a, a multi-use like sidewalk instead of turning like a, a, one of the bigger streets into part of the bike boulevard, I don't know why you went and just used the sidewalk instead of doing more construction. Like I think this bike boulevard, it, they did way too much more than they needed. They should have started started small, like just because we they wanted to redo the intersection at 21st and Louisiana for safety concerns. So just having that intersection, I think that would have cut down a lot on traffic using Iowa, like 21st to get to from Iowa to Mastery. And I think that's part of the reason for the bike boulevard is to reduce the traffic. But if you if you already have that intersection work, why wouldn't you just wait and see what the traffic count is at, just from doing that one intersection and then seeing how much extra work you need? Because I, th I think this bike boulevard could have been done for a lot less than what we have so i mean that's kind of one of my main things that really drove me this year is that i'm just unhappy with how that bike boulevard was done and if you look at it i'm i think i'm justified in that there was just too much done and it, it's not really a good use of money. And especially because we we don't have an unlimited supply of, of taxpayer money. We need to be doing projects for the least we can do. So we have more money to do more projects with. So that's kind of what caused me to run, I guess. And also, I'm just I want to bring up like the the firing of the police chief. I, I mean, I don't think we officially fired him, but we paid him money to quit. So I think that was done wrong. And so I, I like, like the good thing about running is I'm getting a chance to voice my, my dissatisfaction with some of the stuff the, the city commission has done. So I, I really like that part about running. So I'm kind of happy I did because I I have gotten a chance to voice my opinions, such as being on this podcast here. So oh yeah, more that that's partly why I started this is to give more voice to or serve as another platform for folks to be involved in in city uh city government issues or city issues. Um, and so I, I take it that part of your reasoning for, for running in my mind, I don't see it just as being about the bike Boulevard issue. Like that's what, that's what spurred it. But at the same time, you think that there, there are certain concerns that actually are sufficiently addressed. And so there's some issues with the decision-making process and in city projects like that. Yes. Bike Boulevard was just the straw that broke that broke the camel's back. Basically, if if you've watched Lawrence City Commission meetings, you'll you'll know I am opinionated about many subjects. So <laughs> I have a lot of opinions. And on that note, that's actually a very good segue 
And this is sort of as you and I, you know, as you and I discussed this over our initial email correspondence, you mentioned the, I guess, a a desire or or your interest in receiving a gotcha question. And and so uh, being the sort of mild mannered person I am, it it, it is some of uh, some difficulty for me to drum drum up one for uh for this purpose. But I think I have what I think is maybe sufficiently. A, a gotcha question, at least the way it's worded, but it's all not, it's on that very topic on your, your history of being a frequent commentator uh, and participant in city and county government meetings. Um, you have such a storied sort of, uh, I guess, past with, with being a, a frequent uh, contributor at these meetings that even one of your commentaries uh, made it on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And uh, on that clip, uh, you advocated for legal prostitution and, and to some degree and, and ended that commentary by talking about happy endings, uh, enduring massages. Now, people who have seen this clip and ha- actually maybe have, have been to other meetings where you've given commentary uh, might have questions about the sort of seriousness of, of your campaign. How would you address those worries uh, for for those who are skeptical about about your campaign. Oh, well, I'm serious about that. Um, Here's the thing. I like you talked about um, that speech. The speech was about legalizing genital massages. And I mean, I'm not focusing on it because I'm not sure what I can do with um, actually getting it passed. Like I would need at least two other city commissioners I mean, so I'm not sure I would have the support for that. It's something I would like to do, though. And and here's the thing. When I made that speech, it was because they were bringing about more. I, for, I, that was they were creating the um, the Body Works Advisory Board and they were creating and L- Lawrence was creating like a certificate that you needed licensing, basically, to provide massage. And basically, it was them trying to cut down on prostitution. And I see genital massage like if there's a way we could justify it as a legit massage is like the question I'm kind of wondering is, is it, can we use that as a way to justify the legalization of it? And I've been doing more kind of research about this. And there's been studies that have shown that guys who ejaculate like more often in in a month, as opposed to guys who hardly get off, that they're less likely to develop um, prostate cancer. So my thing is, is what if prostate health is related to ejaculation? Then wouldn't that mean like someone helping someone to ejaculate, wouldn't that just be a a medical help? Like, what if they're helping them to ejaculate because it's it's helping them clear out this the system? Because that's that's something I've heard that might that's kind of speculated is that maybe the reason that people who who ejaculate more um, are getting prostate cancer less is because the ejaculation is clearing out anything like toxins that might be causing cancer. So 
Basically, yeah. So if prostate health is related to ejaculation, then wouldn't ejaculation be, could not there be an argument that it it's all there's also medical value in someone basically jerking someone else off. Okay, so just to but also in general, I'm completely for um, legalizing prostitution. Um, I'm just saying, is this a, a legal way to try to get your our foot in the door to to get into legalized prostitution? So okay, and and as as you mentioned, right, there are some limitations as to actually that being or coming about, right? You have to convince the other commissioners, and the topic itself has to come up for consideration. Yeah. And if I'm elected, I would like to do away with the Body Works Advisory Board and do away with the massage therapy licensing. Um, that's not not just specific to them, but I think just in general that we need less licensing like that's a it, it prohibits people, you know, like people just starting out. And here's the thing. I worked with someone that at the time was a massage therapist. That I made that speech and he'd been to other states and he had gotten his license to do massages. But because he'd been working back here in Kansas, um, he it basically had lapsed because he didn't need it to work in Kansas. But then when Lawrence passed that licensing thing, he couldn't do his massage anymore because he needed a license. So and it cost him a few hundred to get his license back. So I do think that that license requirement, I mean, it costs a few it costs money <laughs> to get the certification and you have to do all this training. And basically, it's not really I don't know what, what what we're claiming that the requirement, like why we need it. But the real reason is because they want the massage, the body work practitioners, I guess. They want them to make like basically if they go and get certified, that means they're not just doing it prostitution, basically, you know, and just using the massage thing as a front. But Basically, he, he had to go and get his, his license to to restart working up again. And just like if, if there was a legit reason like that, these massage uh, therapists are hurting people because they're not like licensed and they're messing people's backs up and stuff. That might be a legit reason, but that's not the reason at all. I mean, the whole reason is just so we can make sure they're not given happy endings. So I don't think, I think in that case, like a requirement like that, it's just a, a hindrance to, to people trying to start out. I mean, it's, it's not really useful to the public. So just to clarify, you think there are, uh, you, we think we you think we sh we should uh, limit illegal prostitution where people are taken advantage of by some of these uh, these shops. But you think there is a way of doing that without uh, preventing people from starting their own business or or conducting their own services? Yes. And like when it comes to prostitution, we just need to make to make sure that the people that are doing the sex work, that they're doing it on their, because it's their own choice and not because they're basically sex slaves. And here's the thing, the people against prostitution, they bring, they like to point out the fact that, oh, it's, it's sex slaves. We got it in human trafficking. 
there's so much human trafficking for like domestic work, like maids and and like work, like just workers. But where's like where's our our domestic workers advisory board? Like we don't we, we don't go after human trafficking for like like maids and farm workers and all like just the non-sex workers we don't go after that nearly as hard as we go after the sex worker like like that that aspect of human trafficking so that's why i don't know i'm just i'm skeptical that when people are claiming we need we can't have sex work because of the human trafficking just because if they're so concerned about human trafficking. How come they're not going after the the non-sex human trafficking workers? That's a good point in terms of, you know, if in so far as we we see it in other other sort of instances besides besides prostitution. And I think I think there are I mean, I would have to look at, you know, because there's that group latte that's uh, that's in town that looks at uh, human trafficking. And yeah, I'm not saying that that. There are groups that do look at it. I'm just saying like the government, though, they're not making big of a case as they do for the sex trafficking. Maybe that's one other way of, of attack or going after the that very same issue is uh, consulting with these local groups about that, that do this as their as their main ends. OK, and, and so. Uh, now, that was that that was my gotcha question. I think you I think you handle it handled it rather rather well yeah i like to point out that you were nice enough that you when you sent out the email invite me on the show you were saying that you'd let you'd send out the questions but i'd just like to point out i'm the candidate that said no i want to be surprised with the questions because I think that's what the people want. They want a politician that's willing to take, willing to work without a net. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, hopefully people get that. And hopefully they do like that, that you've taken, that you've had the courage to do that so far. And so this next question actually has to do with the role of, of the city commissioner, right? Everybody comes in with their sort of ideas about, you know, how they're going to be, what, how, how they're going to uh, interact with other commissioners. So... The question here is just simply, you know, what do you take to be proper role of a, of a city commissioner um, in terms of all that they have to uh, to do and or how they should um, conduct themselves? Well, I think for one, I'll have to like how I am as a commenter. I don't think I can be quite as out there as a commissioner. So I think I will tame some of that down because it's more important not to piss people off when you're a commissioner because you are representing them. So, but see, as a, just a speaker, I don't have to give a shit about anyone else. So I like that as like, that's an aspect that I can't necessarily take over when I become city commissioner. So, I mean, it is about trying to bring, bring everyone together and, I'm not sure. I mean, I'll aim to try to bring everyone together, but sometimes I'm opinionated and just I lose it sometimes. But I am going I am doing a better job of not being quite as polarizing, I guess. Um, One job, because here's the thing, one of the jobs is 
basically if you're a city commissioner, you're expected to go and do stuff like um, ribbon cuttings or, you know, just stuff out there with the community. And and also um, here's something else. Like I when we ask about city commissioner, they they ask like, well, what leadership experience have you had? And I think too many people expect more leadership from the commission because here's the thing there, no one's asking what experience do you have as being part of a, of, of a five member board basically, because not everyone can be a leader on everything as part when you're like, just from what I've observed that when it comes to some issues, there are some issues that some of the commissioners, they'll take the lead on while some the others, you know, they're more let the like, you know, let them take the lead and be more of just like backup, like voting for against something like one of those cases would be sidewalks like Courtney Shipley. She's always advocating about sidewalks and trying to get the others to go along with her. And I want to say like Jennifer Ananda, she's she's expressed um, support for like um, government taking on the role of sidewalks. But I don't think she, she she's not really out there fighting for it, but she's willing to go along with Courtney. I think that's an aspect of city commission that you'll have commissioners and they'll take stands on something. But in order for an issue to come up before city commission, like you need three. I well, I think it's this is how it is. You need at least three commissioners saying, I want I want this added to the agenda so you can have five people all running for city commission and say, well, we support this policy. But if none of them ever bring it up to say, hey, we want this want this added to the agenda, nothing can get done about it because you have five people who support something, but none that are willing to fight for it, you know, and actually say, hey, I want this added to the agenda for us to look at. From what I understand is like you, you think that one sort of necessary, not necessarily experience or ability that it's good for a commissioner to have is building uh, coalitions, uh, building maybe a consistent developing a consensus around a certain issue, convincing others of your learning. Like, I think knowing what's important to you and when you can step back and let a, another commissioner take up the fight for that thing so that you can have time to fight for what, what if no one else brings up that you need to bring up in order for it to get, for there to be something done about it, basically. I'm for affordable housing, but I don't, I mean, I'll fight for it, but I don't think it's something I need to be bringing up because I think it's just going to come up during city commission and I can just vote for or against stuff then. But if, if I'm wasting time trying to bring that up, I might not have time to bring up like drug stuff, which I, I plan on. One of my first things I want to fight for is decriminalizing magic mushrooms like we did for marijuana. But if 
I mean, if I don't bring that up, there's a chance none of that, like no one will. So I would like to focus on that. But just because I'm focused on that doesn't mean I'm not against other stuff or that I think this is a bigger priority. It's just I think this is something I need to do because no one else will. Right. So you don't you just want to uh, basically that that last comment was to fight against that impression that just the mirror bringing something up doesn't entail that you don't think the other sort of issues that um, others find important aren't important. And, and so this next question, um, so you've, you've lived in Lawrence for uh, a number of years now. Um, and so you may have a decent uh, understanding or way of no uh, uh, experience of the sort of values that the community cherishes the most. What do you think those values are and do you think it's important to take them into consideration in your own decision making on uh, as a commissioner? Yeah, that's kind of a, a good question because our values, I mean, it, it depends on who you are, basically. Like if you're a college student, your values can be I, I want a party. <laughs> and if you're a, a, a parent, your value might be, well, I, I will, we need to protect our kids from the partiers, you know? So, I mean, it's kind of varied. Um, what I do think are that like values that the majority of the town like would agree with is we need to, we need to address our homeless issue. I mean, we don't want people to have to camp outside. We at least want there to be shelter available to people. So that's one um, value, I guess, that the town would, I, I think collectively enough of us would have, I'd say, you know, this is a Lawrence value. Um, I, I think equality and equity, I think those are values. Um, now, how we achieve it, that might be something we we're we're divided on, but just basic stuff like we don't want there to be discrimination for like minorities or um, the or the LGBT, you know, stuff like that. I mean, not allowing workplace discrimination. I think that's a value um, trying to. um reduce the disparities like income disparity among the different minority groups when compared to white people. I think that's a value. Um, also, I think criminal justice reform, I think now, I mean, there's people that support the police, but we, I think even them, they will, that we need more equality in the criminal justice system. Like we don't need black people receiving harsher sentences than white people. So I think that's a value. I think most people would agree with. Um, I, I think also there's our, our values would probably be like probably something about arts and the downtown, you know, just we have a certain Lawrence has a certain feel or vibe to it. I think people would like to keep that. Um, I, I, I'm not sure you can, I, I don't know exactly 
how to describe the the Lawrence flavor, but I do think we have a flavor. I think we we need to keep that. Um, but but I mean, how we do that? That's where I think the town kind of has different opinions. But so that's what I would say for that question. So good, yeah. And I think uh, you mentioned that, uh, rightfully so. I think, and and, and uh, it's good to point out that. Yeah, there's going to be a differing in opinions or values in our uh, in our community. Like you mentioned, the college students are going to value one thing, um, maybe entertainment and and so on and so forth. Whereas families uh, or parents are going to advocate for uh, you know greater family activities and so on and so forth. Uh, in such cases, and not necessarily with the case of college student versus. Uh, parents sort of thing. Um, in those sort of cases, how do you expect for yourself to, to determine which one should win out when there's, when there's a clash? Usually I'm more against like the parents, basically. Like, I think, I mean, not necessarily the parents, but I I'm against this. I Sometimes it feels like there's a push to turn Lawrence into basically a, another suburb of Johnson County. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just overreacting, but I do think there's sort of just like, oh, like lately, like when we did that, that speed decrease where we decreased the speed limit from 30 to 25. I mean, I think it, we, we're, we're enacting more laws with the, like the, what about the children type mentality that I think you see common in, suburb, in suburbs. And there's also, there's going to be a push to lower the, I, I mean, I don't know at this point, but the tobacco 21 people, they're back at Lawrence City Commission and they've got something scheduled for September where we're going to be looking at more ordinances against tobacco and and seeing that's something I'm completely against. I mean, I think when it comes to to to, to reducing teen smoking, I think parents parents could reduce this problem themselves. Like if they started nicotine testing their, their kids, if they suspect that they're smoking, like sometimes it seems like we're getting in, like the government is taking away the rights of legal adults just to appease parents. And I I don't like that. So if it's if it's an issue where it's a group of people trying to take the rights away of other adults, I'm going to be I'm most likely going to be ruling against those people. So I'm I mean, I know I talked earlier about trying to uh, to appeal to everyone and and all that. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to take away the rights of someone else, I'm probably going to be ruling against you. Gotcha. So. And, and if uh, information comes like uh, public, it's a public health issue. Like there's a sort of a ramping up of, of cases where, you know. Yeah. Like, okay. Like COVID is kind of a different, that's kind of different, you know, because no one's choosing to get COVID like they're choosing to smoke. And, and even, I mean, there's also going to be like the push, well, we can't have smoking anywhere on campus. Well, why can't we have just spaces where, 
meant for like smokers. Like, I don't think we should just be saying, well, we don't, we we're against this. So we're not going to allow it at all. I think we, it can be, we're against this. So we're going to reduce the areas where you can smoke, but we're still going to allow some places where you can smoke. And also here's the thing, like is, is a, a ban on, on public smoking, is that fair to the homeless? Like, what if you don't have a home to go to? Where are you supposed to smoke cigarettes at? If, I mean, like, if they want to ban smoking from trails and, and parks, where are the homeless supposed to smoke at then? No, I think that's that's certainly a question that could be, might be brought up, and it's a good question to to ask, and I imagine you might if it was in September, if that's... Yeah, I just thought of that. So I, I'll need to remember that for the next time it comes up at City Commission. This next question has to do with another sort of big question that um, the City Commission is going to have to address uh, and it's that it's been working on. It, it's, it's created a task force for it. Um, I've done a show talking about the issue. And I'm so this I'm talking about the possible switch uh, from an at-large uh, elect, electoral system where in addition to this at large sort of feature, the mayor is elected um, uh, from within the commission itself to a system that is a district based election system, uh, whereas the mayor is directly uh, voted for. You had some cons- uh, well, you had some thoughts on this, uh, but first you mentioned that how you would do it within the current system, how you would, as a commissioner, vote or uh, elect the, or yeah, vote for who among your other commissioners should be mayor. How would you uh, vote in within that current system? Um, okay, so currently, like, we hold elections every two years for three positions, and the top two, the top two vote getters get four years and then the third place gets two years. And then when it comes time to voting for the mayor, um, the top two positions will each get one year as mayor. However, I don't believe this is an actual requirement. Like, like in law, I think it's, I think how it's written is that the, it's up to the city commission to vote who they want to be um, mayor and vice mayor. But it's it's just been tradition that every commission has followed since I don't know how long it's been, but it's just been tradition that we do it this way. And I am not going to do it this way because just from following the, the task force, I mean, it's the reason people want the directly elected mayor, I mean, I'm not saying it's the only reason, but one of the reasons brought up is that we want more continue con- I, I'm going to butcher the word um, con- continuity. Yeah, we need more of that from a mayor where we don't want just every year a new mayor. We want we want some consistency. So if if the city commission was electing who they wanted mayor, I mean, we probably have that because if you look at Congress, um, I, I'm not sure of all the laws, but look at Nancy Pelosi. How long has she been, you know, leading the Democrats? And 
she wasn't voted. I mean, she she was voted to Congress by the people. But did the people hold a vote on who they want to be Speaker of the House or was that chosen by the other House members, you know? And I think the majority of the way that um, a leader is chosen for like a, a commission or a board like that is that you let the the representatives choose who they want and where where else in government is it that like does the house of representatives do they vote who they want based on how the people voted you know i mean i think it's just a bad way i mean it sounded good on paper but it's it's not something that it's good for the long run and so basically, I mean, if if we if the city commissioners voted on who they wanted, I, I think we'd have that would solve a lot of the problems that people have about wanting a directed elected mayor. Because here's the thing. Um, what purpose does like I don't think people realize that the mayor, it's not, they don't have much that much more power than any of the other city commissioners. Um, their vote is just as equal as any other commissioner. I mean, the main thing the, the mayor does is they run the meetings and they make, they, they're the ones that, that make the um, recommendations for who to appoint to advisory boards. I mean, I I don't think there's much other stuff that the mayor's responsible for. So why why do why do the citizens need to directly elect the mayor? I mean, this is something that should be done by the other city commissioners. Now, however, if we had the form of government where it's a strong mayor and the mayor has more responsibilities and powers than the other city commissioners, then that would make sense to be having a directly elected mayor. So, I mean, if we want a directly elected mayor, maybe we need to be asking, do we also want a strong mayor who has more powers than the other city commissioners? Um, what sort of Issues do you think uh, should be addressed uh, if if uh, about the new system? Yeah, because I have a lot of like of opinions on this. Um, the new like the the last meeting I came up with an idea at the task force, but it was too late to really explore there. But I, this idea is they were the new plan that the task force is recommending is that we have six districts. And my, my problem with that is like, I'm a renter. And if I was to serve on city commission and I'm representing a district and like, would I have to live in that district for four years? Like, but if we know affordable housing is an issue, like what if I if I need to move, how how easy is it going to be for me to find a place I can afford and just and I only have one sixth of the town to find that affordable housing in? I, th I think it's just I think having six districts and one at-large mayor, I don't think that's good for renters. 
And also part of the reasoning, I think, for the, the districts is that, well, it lets people know who to go to. But I mean, here you have you you have five people you can go to if you have an issue. I mean, why do you need a district member like a district commissioner for you to go to when you have five and you can go to any of them? And I mean, it's not that it's not like they have a lot of of people. Maybe they do. But I I mean, I don't think you're going to be completely ignored if you contact five commissioners. I think one at least one of them is going to get back to you. And this this idea that, well, we need because, well, this way you'll know who to to go to. But if you're a renter and you move every year, are you actually going to know who to go to or are you just going to be more confused because every year who your representative is keeps changing because you've, you've moved to a different district? Like those people right now, if you move, you know that you can still go to any of those five people that's on the city's webpage. And so anyway, my idea was that if you you can be a district commissioner, but you only have to live in Lawrence. I mean, this way, the district could still they're they still choosing who they want to represent them. But who's to say that you need to live in the district to, ha to have their values? Like, what if my. Um, my my platform of legalizing drugs, you know, ending the drug war. What if that resonates with a district that I'm not part of, but they only have one person running and that person's pro, pro drug enforcement, you know, why should, shouldn't they have the opportunity to have someone who represents their values? So, I mean, that's one thing we could be doing. And I think at the very least, we need a hybrid system, like six districts, all all six districts and one at like at large mayor. I mean, we could at least have one one mayor, two at larges and four districts. I mean, we don't need to reduce the size to one one commissioner per was it 15 to 20,000 people. I mean, it was less than 20,000. So um, that's something um, I go. Oh, and also no one's talking about the cost right now. We have five um, members. I think they're making I, I don't know the exact detail, but they're making about twenty five thousand each, I think. Um, if you added two more members, wouldn't that increase the cost to have our city government by 50,000 a year? And the thing with districts is they're good for representation if like poor people or minorities are clustered together in like certain areas. But they did a like I think they they studied like Lawrence and we don't have clusters of minorities and poor people. It's kind of spread out throughout the town. So, 
so that th that aspect of what districts do well, it it's not applicable in our situation because our minorities and poor people are spread out throughout town. And that's also what we're aiming for. We're trying to not just have clusters. Of, we want we want we want diversity in all our neighborhoods. So. I, I don't think districts is a good fit for Lawrence. Okay. So as it, as it stands uh, and as the recommendation stands, you would, as uh, if you were a, com a sitting commissioner at the time of the decision would vote against the changes. Yes. Yes, definitely. Like if, if the mayor, if we had a strong mayor, I think that could justify the need for directly electing the mayor. But I mean, we could directly elect the mayor, but how do you keep it fair with how our system is? Like if the mayor is elected to a four year term, do, do we still keep that to the, the third place getting two years? You know, it's kind of we probably have to do it. Someone gets two positions up for four years and then the next two years you'd have three positions up for four years and but then that means someone who's who's serving when it's not basically someone could get a free shot to run at mayor that other commissioners might not like it's just i mean i'm not against directly electing the mayor but just the amount of of stuff we'd have to change it would not justify what we're getting in the end like the the problem we're solving is not worth all the changes we'd have to make to solve the problem so this final final question is sort of a light a light one right i think i think one thing that should be definitely commended about uh you and and, and your campaign is that you know you you represent something that's can be rare even in, in our in our democratic uh partially democratic system is involvement uh and participation and and so this question is pr primarily based on you as as a frequent contributor to city meetings and county meetings is uh what advice would you give to to folks that are kind of uh on the fence aren't are kind of worried about you know how they come off or worried about uh, you know any sort of uh small small issues about uh in terms of getting developing up the, the gumption or the courage to, to speak up at one of these meetings, what advice could you, would you give to them? Um, a lot of people do a bad job at it. Like I'm terrible at public speaking, but if I'm at their public speaking, you're not going to look as bad because I'm out there doing it. And th there's some few others that are bad at public speaking. And there, there's also some that are good at public speaking, but just because they're good at public speaking doesn't mean their points are good. So I, I, I don't think you have much to worry about because I don't think people are very judgmental about your speaking ability at city commission meetings because there's a lot. Everyone has to come. And and if, if you're going to speak at a public meeting, you're going to have to do it for the first time sometime. So, I mean, there's other people that are that are not doing a good job. So, yeah, I don't think you have much to worry about. As a final sort of message, what do you want people to take away from from our conversation today? Well, I'd like 
for people to take away that they should vote for me. But <laughs> I'd like to say you get you get everyone gets three votes. And see, back to about how our city government works. That's what I really love about our city government is everyone gets three votes. You get to vote on everyone who's in who's serving on the commission. And when if you're thinking about like, well, I get three votes, that means you can do two votes for who you think is the bet, like the smartest and best person. But you can say, hey, I want this third vote to go to the person who's going to fight for stuff, you know. I'm 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 probably the dumbest candidate of the bunch. I mean, this field is there. There, it's a it's a tough field this year. I think there are some very smart people. There's a couple of them. I think they could run campaigns for like like national, like running for governor or Congress. Like their their answers are just so spot on and smart, but. I'm not sure they're going to have the fight that I do. I don't hear any of them calling for an end to the drug war like I am. I mean, every chance I get, I try to at least bring something up about decriminalizing magic mushrooms. And and so I, I don't want people just saying, well, I'm going to use all three of my votes for like the the best candidates. I, I want people to think... How can I use my three votes to get the best board, like the best commission that can tackle the, the biggest range of problems? And for your third vote, I just want to say that I, I'm the commissioner that's most likely to fight for drugs and sex work. And I vote I fought against when the city created the the ant the fake ID the underage drinking task force that was two or three years ago where they were having police officers go go to bars and liquor stores looking for fake IDs I spoke against that um, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for like the boozers and the drug users and that's what I'm bringing to the table that I don't think my the 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 other candidates are. So, so I think that's why someone should choose me as their, their third vote is just cause I'm, I'm going to fight and, and complain and do my best to hold city staff accountable. On that note, uh, Chris, thank you again for, for joining me today and, and uh, having this conversation about, about your campaign and you as a, as a candidate. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you on the next episode when we interview another candidate. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.